0: this is from our neurons to yours a podcast from the wu Tsai neurosciences institute at stanford university on this show we crisscross scientific disciplines to bring you to the frontiers of brain science i'm your host nicholas weiler Here's the sound we created to introduce today's topic – migraines. What exactly is a migraine, and why are they so hard to study? If you've ever had a migraine, you know that the symptoms, splitting headache, nausea, sensitivity to light, mean you're going to need to spend some time in bed in a dark room. Missing work, missing school, migraines are flat out debilitating. And the statistics back this up. Migraines are the third most common neurological disorder. They affect as many as a billion people around the world, making them one of the world's 10 most disabling diseases, according to the World Health Organization. But for all the misery for those who suffer from migraines, it's been a long haul for scientists to figure out what actually causes these episodes, and more importantly, how to provide relief. Even though they're so common, migraine research gets a lot less funding than other neurological diseases. One of the reasons may be that migraines, which I'll just note affect women more than men, are often misunderstood as being little more than a really bad headache.
1: But it's not just a simple headache, even though headache is one of its symptoms.
0: That's Gabriella Mawunga, a graduate student at Stanford who studies what's actually going on in the brain during a migraine.
1: What I want to know is how does migraine come about, and by knowing that, how can we treat it?
0: And you're studying this in mice?
1: I'm studying it in rats, which are much gentler creatures.
0: Oh, really? Why are rats gentler than mice?
1: Well, they fight me less. Mice are angrier, so they have worse attitudes. They're like small dogs. They're very angry creatures.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about, um, about the lab where you work? So
1: I currently work in two labs. My primary mentor is Vivian Tofik, an anesthesiologist, so pain is her forte. And my second mentor is Dr. Rog Aron, who is a neuroradiologist and knows all things ultrasound, and I am trying to use ultrasound to target drugs in my pain models
0: So you're trying to use ultrasound to figure out how to get drugs to the right place in the brain to target pain?
1: Yes. So ultrasound can be used to ease delivery of drugs into the brain because we have what we call the blood-brain barrier, and a lot of drugs don't really cross this barrier, and yet we need to get it in there. Another thing is that usually we want drugs to do a particular thing, but because they don't bind to this one place, you have all these side effects, these things happening that you don't want to happen. But with the technology that's developed in his lab, you can use these ultrasound-responsive nanoparticles, put a drug inside the particle, shine some ultrasound on it, and release the drug in only a particular spot that you want it to go to. So
0: That is super cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like science fiction neuroscience.
1: Right? I was like, this can't be real.
0: Okay, so fundamentally, what is a migraine?
1: A migraine is a neurological disorder. It presents most usually with pain and a headache. It's usually a moderate to severe headache. So usually when you get this headache, it's gonna be like, oh, this is close to the worst pain I have ever felt. And it's gonna stop you from doing things that you'd usually do, go to work, go to school. In addition to the headache, you have other symptoms like nausea and vomiting, sensitivity to light to sound, to touch. So migraine is a serious issue.
0: What makes it classified as a neurological disorder?
1: The root of it is in the nervous system. There are different theories for how migraine comes about, but there's no definitive answer for how it does. One group thinks that it's due to changes in the vasculature in the brain. And
0: By vasculature meaning?
1: Blood vessels. Changes in the way blood flows in the brain and how this change in blood flow interacts with the nervous system, or nerves in your head and in your face. And other people think it's a change in electrical activity. They think a wave of spreading electrical activity goes over your cortex, especially over your visual cortex, to form photophobia or sensitivity to light, which is one of the symptoms of migraine, and so they believe this must be what's behind migraine disorder.
0: Okay, so there are are a couple of theories. This has something to do with blood vessels in your brain or some sort of electrical activity spreading over your brain. Is that right? Yeah. If If you can study someone who has a migraine, can you actually see this happening in someone's brain?
1: If you study someone who has a migraine, you can. They have actually done some imaging studies where they show changes in the brain that are specific to people that suffer from migraines compared to people that do not. But we don't have enough of those studies to make conclusions about, okay, this is exactly what is happening, which is why they can't use it to diagnose
0: migraine. So sometimes people talk about an aura that comes with a migraine. What what does that uh, involve?
1: So the aura is, in a lot of people, it's a visual disturbance that comes before your headache, and it is one of the phases of migraine. So migraine usually happens in four phases. You have your prodrome, your aura, the headache phase, and the post-drome. So the prodrum, you have exhaustion, you're just tired for no reason, and then you have the aura, where you have visual disturbances, you might see color. Other people have auditory disturbances, where they hear things that aren't there. And other people, although this is the rarer kind of aura, might smell things that just aren't there, and it usually shows up a few
0: hours before the headache begins. What are some of the things people might experience with the aura?
1: Well, I smell fish which is very uncomfortable because I used to like fish before that started happening and now we just we just don't work and other people they become very dizzy and it could be blurry it could be like little pinpoints of color the general understanding is that you're perceiving something that is not there and it can only be classified as aura
0: okay so then after the aura then you get the big deal the, the big headache deal. and everything else what is that like
1: it can be very severe the headache can last anywhere from a few hours to days if you're lucky it will last three days if it becomes much longer than that it's moving into what they call status mi- migranosis or it's an intractable migraine
0: so what does that mean Intract- like a migraine that just goes on indefinitely
1: yeah and is not responsive to medication to any sort of intervention but usually in the aura phase, you can take the acute medications for migraine to prevent the pain from coming on or to reduce how long the migraine lasts. And to prevent the migraine in general, we also have preventative medications, but they're not mechanism-based, so it doesn't work for everyone.
0: Okay, so it's more complex and probably more painful than your typical headache. I've had headaches where I had to lie down and go into a dark room, and I didn't want to see any light or hear anyone talking to me. I guess, how do you know if that's a bad headache or that's a migraine? How would you know that, you know, oh, I just had my first migraine, or I just had a bad headache because I was stressed out?
1: Well, where you're feeling your pain could be an indicator for whether it's a migraine or not. And whether you have other symptoms that come along with the migraine, in addition to your light sensitivity, you could be vomiting, but usually the migraine will come on one side of the face, either the right or the left. I have heard of cases where it comes in the back of the head, but usually it should be on either side of the face and around the eye. And so the positioning of the headache, the intensity, of your headache. They make their presence nil. And you don't like the light, like you mentioned, darkness. You don't like loud noises, smells, and usually lasts a long time. So hard to confuse it for something else. As someone who might be getting their first migraine, if it's a headache, you feel like, I don't feel like I felt this before. This is torture. You might be having a migraine.
0: You mentioned that you suffer from migraines yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about so when you got your first migraine and, and for you, sort of walk me through what it's like when you, when you get one of these.
1: Well, I got my first migraine and I was nine years old, and I thought I was dying. It was intense pain on the right side of my face, around my eye, and I was very nauseous. I couldn't stop vomiting as well. I couldn't eat anything or keep it down. I was sweating. I wouldn't stop sweating, and it lasted like four days. And I was in boarding school, so the school nurse thought I was dying too because I don't know why she had no idea what was going on with me, but it's possibly because I grew up in a third world country and there's a lot of malaria, but maybe I was dying of cerebral malaria. But no, I was having my very first migraine and I have been diagnosed with chronic migraine. So chronic migraine is when you have 15 or more days of migraine per month. And then if you have less than 15 days, it's called episodic migraine.
0: Always lasts seven, like a whole week?
1: Luckily, not anymore because of the new medication that I have, which is very helpful, and I've been seeing great doctors. And now the longest that it lasts now is three days. So you have a a brief window within which you should take your medication for you to successfully intervene.
0: So when you have a migraine, even if it's just three days that you're You've taken your medications in time. What is the effect and how does it impact you?
1: I'm pretty happy about it because sometimes I don't get the painful headache that the aura just passes or it lasts only a few hours. And the last option is it comes down to a level that is manageable for me so I can continue to do my daily activities like come to the lab or hang out with friends but still not be in too bridal room but it makes everything less severe or less intense so it makes my life better.
0: And are there good reliable medications that work for most people?
1: There are a couple of medications um, that work for most people so they use tryptans which I think act on the blood vessels in your brain and they also use these days what they call CGRPs or CGRP antibodies and antagonists that bind to a protein that is commonly expressed on pain neurons. The exact mechanisms are still under investigation, but it works.
0: So as you said, this is not just a headache. This is a complex neurological disorder where... There are clear different phases, your vision gets impaired, you have nausea, you're laid out for days or a week or more, depending on on the type of of migraine you have. I mean, this seems like a really serious issue, but it's not one that we hear a whole lot about, you know, as far as neurological disorders go. Why why do you think that is?
1: I think... The biggest reason would be it's dismissed a lot as a headache, just take a painkiller, move on. But this is a very common problem. A lot of people experience migraines. If it's not chronic migraine, they've had at least one migraine in their lifetime. And so we need to know how it comes about and we need to better treat it. I'd like to say you get used to it, but you just don't. And you shouldn't have to get used to it, which is why we do research. And it's why we're trying to find ways to, to kick this thing
0: thank you very much. I really appreciate you talking to me about this terrible thing that happens to you.
1: Thank you for asking.
0: By the way, Gabby and I emailed after the interview. She wanted to clarify that the most recent view is that migraines are caused by both abnormal brain activity and changes in blood flow. In fact, the brain could cause the changes in blood flow that lead to migraine symptoms. It's an evolving field, and we'll be keeping an eye on it. To learn more, check out the wu Tsai Neurosciences Institute at neuroscience.stanford.edu. For more info about Gabby's work, check out the links in the show notes. This episode was produced by Michael Osborne, with production assistance by Morgan Honecker and Christian Higis. I'm your host, Nicholas Weiler.